Still not? There it is. All right. Uh, my name's Jared Culpepper, and this is my wife, Drew Culpepper, and our sweet little baby, Andy Claire. She's almost two. We've been coming to Point for about four years, and uh, as Michael explained last week, we're going to start doing just family readings of Scripture before service. So uh, today we're going to go ahead and read uh, Luke 24, 44 through 53. And this is, again, what would have been happening just before we pick up in Acts. So. Starting in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we were continually in the temple, blessing God. Let's pray. Sovereign God, creator of all that is, you are high and lifted up. In the heavens, they declare your glory. The earth is but a footstool to you, Father. Long ago, you, uh, you brought forth men to, to build your church. Father, you sent your promised spirit and clothed them with power from on high. Father, then they were just, just planting a seed no bigger than the size of the head of a pen. And throughout the centuries, that seed has flourished into a, a beautiful tree, a tree that produces fruit, a tree that's a refuge for the animals, a strong, strong tree. Father, this tree is still growing even today, and we're a part of that growth. So, Father, just as you open the minds of your apostles, as we read in your word, we pray that you would open our minds, as you've already been gracious to do, continue to give us wisdom as we journey into the book of Acts, <clears throat> I pray that our leadership would be obedient to your word. Um, everyone from Justin, Luke, Ryan, Paul, Daniel, to our small group leaders. Father, I pray that they would submit to your word, to whatever your word has to say. And Father, I pray that our church, our people would submit to our leadership and trust that, that you, <clears throat> through your spirit, are guiding us to where you would have us be. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemning sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. It is in his name that we, that we dare to ask you to do these things. Amen. Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn uh, to Acts. Thanks, bro. Uh, the book of Acts, we continue our study 
Uh, I say continue our study. Uh, kind of lying to you when I say that because I'm still in introduction. And so uh, last week we began, to, we introduced our, our series, our study through the book of Acts. Uh, and so if you're a guest here with us, we, uh, we just like to open up the Bible and teach what it says and not add a whole lot to it. So that's what we, that's what we do. So we, we began a, a very, it's going to be a lengthy journey through uh, right now. We're planning to cover the first eight book, eight chapters in the book of Acts, uh, which will take us through uh, the end of May. Uh, and so, anyway, so we're here, we're in for the long ride, and I'm excited about it. Um, but I, I felt like I needed to do uh, another introduction uh, or continue an introduction to kind of get some framework uh, for the Book of Acts. Uh, if you're like me, uh, <clears throat> I always like to to really know what to expect whenever I'm about to do something, about to start something, about to go into something. So this morning, it's kind of what I'm going to do. It's kind of want to just kind of give you. I'm going to preach a a sermon at the very end of it. I'm going to have one little slide that tells you uh, what, what the book of Acts is in just a little short little three words. And so, but I got to do a good, preach a whole sermon to get there uh, for one slide. We could just show you that slide and go home and we'll be done, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, so we're, anyway, uh, last week we began <clears throat> really talking about uh, who the author was. Uh, the author was Luke. Uh, and when he sat down to write under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he wrote just one work. Uh, what we know to be uh, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts is really just one work of Luke the historian. Uh, that's just, we, we see two broken down into two works. And so we notice Luke, by the way that he starts his gospel, is the same pretty well, he's addressing it to Theophilus at the beginning of Acts and, uh, and in the gospel of Luke. And he gives us his purpose statement in, in the first chapter of Luke is so that, that Theophilus, upon reading this letter, that he would, grow, he would have certainty about the things that he'd been taught. So uh, Luke's intent and in writing this, and so here we are a couple thousand years later, uh, it's still the same purpose. The, the Bible can't mean anything different for us uh, than it did for them. Uh, and so, you know, we're today's age, we try to make the Bible, you know, something different. No, whatever Luke's intent was when he wrote it, Theophilus is the same intent when we read it today. And so when we read, when we go through the book of Acts, when we read the gospel of Luke, its intent is so that we will grow certain in the things that we've been taught, that upon reading and studying through as a church, this great letter by Luke, that we will grow in certainty. We ended last week really just that first verse of chapter, or verse one, where he says, uh, sorry, uh, uh, he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do. So where we ended last week, uh, we talked about the finished work of Christ and the unfinished work of Christ. So uh, Luke, when he writes this, he says, hey, Theophilus, I'm writing this so that uh, in my last letter, the former book of this, the former thing, the gospel of Luke, uh, what I wrote about are the things that Jesus began to do, as in there is a work that is yet to be finished. And so uh, what we see is that whenever, if you like to think about it like as a, as a play or something like that, when, when the scene of the Gospels ends in the book of John, uh, redemption is finished. It's done Jesus's work for uh, the sacrifice for sin. It is finished. It is done. That's the finished work. It is secure. It is, we don't work towards that. We don't try to improve it and attain it, maintain it. It's finished. It's free. 
And then when we turn to the next scene, we get to the book of Acts. It's where the, the, Jesus, the work that Jesus had begun to do, it continues. There's an unfinished work. And so at the Gospels, we looked at it like this. The Gospels is where we see Christ came, and he finished the work. And what we see in the book of Acts is that the Spirit came and continued to work. The work that Jesus began to do in teaching and healing, and what we see is the apostles begin, they, they, they continue that work. So this morning, uh, what I want to do is kind of like we've done over the past little while, and I'll do, we do, we'll do this often. One of my hearts as a pastor is to get us to a place where, and constantly reminding ourselves to see this Bible as one book. That is, is God's redemptive plan playing out through the course of human history. And so time, uh, time, time again and time again, we will come back and I'll preach a sermon that how, how does this fit into that redemptive plan? Where are we at in God's redemptive timetable, if you will? And so this morning, I want to kind of back up a little bit and, and connect this to the, to the meta narrative where we are is that we understand that Christ came and he finished the work. And so the, the next part of God's redemptive plan is that the, 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 the 12 apostles would then continue that work. Uh, and so we see the work began with the apostles. Then it goes to the church, right? And so it began with the, the preaching of the gospel, started with the apostles. And then through the apostles' teaching, the church was born. And now the church is who is continuing God's redemptive plan. Everybody with me so far? This is a lot of introductory, and so stay with me. Uh, Jason, I saw you do this, and I almost did it, but I didn't do it. Uh, Jason, so a couple weeks ago, uh, I, I made a joke. I actually think uh, I said the wrong pastor's name, but uh, there was a guy who I was hearing preach a lot, and whenever he would say, are you with me, he'd go, this means yes, this means no, and this means I don't give a rip. Uh, and so last week, Jason came to him and said, hey, or two weeks ago, he said, hey, I'm just always sitting like this. I promise I care. Uh, but anyway, uh, but anyway, so... I don't even know where I'm at. Uh, so that's where we are in this, in this redemptive plan of God. And so what I want us to see, uh, and, and let, me get it, let me get our mind going. I promise I'll get some traction in a second. When the gospels end, specifically the book of Luke, obviously we have the resurrection, uh, the road to Emmaus, which we'll read, and, and the, the passage that Jared and Drew just read for us. Uh, we, we, when we leave off with the apostles, we still have a... A doubtful group of people, uh, really an unfaithful group of people, uh, people who weren't certain about a lot of things. They were flaky. Uh, they were, even though Jesus had raised again, the, the Spirit hadn't come yet. Uh, but when we see them, and then definitely with Jesus' death, and they just weren't necessarily the, the confident, bold guys that we see when we began to read the pages of Acts. That they were, they were in a spot that. Uh, when we get to the book of Acts, like, are these, is this the same Peter? Is this the same John? Are these the same guys? Like, who are these people? And so what I want us to do this morning is I want to answer three questions. Number one is, what made these men so courageous? Like, the Spirit hadn't come yet, but we already see them, even in the, in the, in the first chapter, being confident and being, having courage, if you will. What gave these men such encouragement? And uh, the second question is, by what means does the Lord continue his redemptive plan? And the third one is, what are some characteristics of the early church in regards to their just boom of growth? 
what we see is daily thousands and people were being added. There was this something that was going on. And so this is the three questions. So the first question is this morning, what made these men that we see in the gospels who were fragile, faithless, doubting what how did they arrive to where they are now so if you're taking notes number one is that obviously the reality of the resurrection right that changed the game like Jesus he had told them he was going to die uh, but that he would raise again so whenever the, the resurrected Jesus obviously the reality of that changed them it gave them some courage and some boldness I think we all could agree with that if we followed a guy for three years and he told us he was going to die for the sins of the world but not to worry that he'll be back again I think all of us would go yes I believe in that guy there'd be a little bit of courage in that right by the way Christians that's the same Jesus we follow today we could we would have courage so we understand that the reality of the resurrection would give these guys courage to stand up and just preach sermons. Uh, it, would give, it would give them the courage in the, in the face of officials to not back down but continue to preach. So number one, the reality of the resurrection. Number two, the coming of the Holy Spirit. We, we obviously, under, you will receive power when you're clothed by the Spirit. I think we could all agree with that, that when the Spirit came, there was power there. But even in the beginning of chapter 1, the Spirit hasn't come yet. There was a promise of the Spirit, uh, but He hadn't come yet. But here we are, these guys who were being courageous. And let me su submit to you what I think another encouragement for them was. Another thing that influenced their courage was that they finally understood the Old Testament and God's redemptive plan. That's what I think. And it's not just me. There's people that are smarter than me that... I don't come up with this stuff on my own because I'm not smart like that, right? And so there are people who are smarter than me. Uh, but anyway, I, I believe that for the very first time, these guys got it. So Justin, what do you mean by that? They, they, for the first time, I think they understood the big picture of God's plan of redemption. They saw the plan uh, in motion. They, they grasped the reality and specifically that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Matter of fact, go to Luke chapter 9. It's going to come up on the screen. You don't have to flip there. I'm going to flip there. Uh, but in Luke chapter 9, let me kind of show you what I mean. He just, Jesus just heals a boy with an unclean spirit. Then in verse 44, we hear Jesus say to them, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. He's telling them, hey, I'm about to be delivered over to them. And but the, in verse 45, but they did not understand this, saying it was concealed for them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this. You'd go over to, to Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 31. We read this. This is Jesus again for telling of his death. He says, and talking to the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and, every, and everything that was written about the Son of Man by the prophets was accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogged him, flogging him, they will kill him. But on the third day he will rise. But check out verse 34. But they understood none of these things. So what we have is a group of guys, even in the face of Jesus, Jesus telling them, I'm going to die. I am going to be buried. I will be raised again. They still did not get it. And then we get to Luke 24, the passage that Drew and Jared read this morning. 
This is on the road to Emmaus. This is going to be lengthy, but I think it's important because all of this sets up the book of Acts. Like we have to, we have to go here. So on the road to Emmaus, so let me read this, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named uh, Cleopas uh, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? The guy looks at Jesus and says, hey, do you, have you not heard about this? It's pretty funny. Uh, he says, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But he had hoped that he was one of them, but we, sorry, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all of this, now it is the third day since they, these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had, uh, that he had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, <clears throat> and, but him they did not see. And check out what he says. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and, and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. These dudes were Jews. They knew the Old Testament, but because of their religion, they couldn't even see the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament right in front of them. He had told them numerous times, just as the prophet said, I'll be delivered, I'll be crucified, I will raise again, and they couldn't believe it until this point. Now, after the resurrection, now Jesus says, listen to me, You've missed it. Religion has dulled you so much. So listen to me. I am him. He, and what, 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 actually, before I get ahead of myself, go over to verse 44. So then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you. What are those words? I'm the fulfillment of the Old Testament. I'm the Messiah you've been looking for. I will be crucified. I'll be buried. I'll be raised. Again, he says, while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And here's the kicker, verse 45. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. For the very first time, they understood the scriptures. For the very first time, they connected the dots of God's redemptive plan for humanity. All of these, this knowledge that they had of this Old Testament that they missed. It, listen to me. I, I wrote this down or I thought about it. it, it, it that, that studying, like knowledge comes through studying. But understanding comes through the Spirit. And that's exactly what happened here. They knew these things, but it wasn't until God, Jesus himself, opened their minds to let them see that he is the fulfillment of God's promises of redemption in the Old Testament. And then, in a moment, things changed for them. Matter of fact, you go to the book of Acts, and immediately you begin to see what they're doing. 
when they replace Judas, how does Peter get the idea? He begins to quote an Old Testament passage. When you see their sermons, what are they preaching? They're preaching through the Old Testament saying, this is the Jesus whom you crucified, who some couple years earlier, Jesus told them they couldn't get it, but Jesus opened their mind that they could see it for the very first time, God's redemptive plan. Oh, church, that's good. Like, I guess I'm the only one up here on an island by myself, right? Like, they saw it. Jesus opened their mind, and let's continue reading in in Luke 24. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures, uh, verse 46, and said to them, this is this, thus it is written that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, which is where we are when we get to Acts 1. You're witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. That's, it will happen eventually. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. I'm somewhere in these notes. Y'all know how I get ahead of myself. But I want you to catch this. What emboldened them? I think, obviously, the reality of the resurrection, the coming of the Holy Spirit, but an understanding of God's redemptive plan, that Jesus was the fulfillment. And even, if you want to even that God's redemptive plan was right on schedule. Like it was going exactly accordingly to plan. They grasp what we've been looking at over the past several months as the church. There's this story of God's redemption. And they saw it. Hey, all of those things of the Old Testament pointed to this moment that Christ would come and he would die like this is, and we were witnesses of that. And now he's sending us to continue that. It clicked for them. They they saw where they fit into God's redemptive plan. So when you flip to the book of Acts, you see in chapter one, verse 16, that, that, that Peter quotes a psalm. We see it in chapter 1, verse 20. Sorry, verse 20, verse 16. He, he, he talks about how the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David. What? This is the same dumb Peter in a couple of chapters earlier in Luke that he didn't understand anything. And now he's saying that David was moved by the Spirit. That when we read the book of Psalms, that, that we see this, and it's in, listen to me, they're so caught up in God's sovereignty and his plan right now, not only did they see Jesus as a part of the plan, they saw Judas as a part of the plan. Like, they were so, like, this was, this was promised beforehand, that there would be one to betray him. They, they saw in the sovereignty of God so much, as a matter of fact, when you get to chapter 2, he even, he even taught, he quotes, uh, who is it? Chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, Joel, the prophet Joel, in regards to Pentecost. That Pentecost was happening. Now Peter said, hold on. The prophet Joel wrote about this. And so they began to connect all the dots, right? You follow me? We see it in, in Acts 2.25 that he quotes David again. They were connecting Jesus, Judas, Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, everything because Jesus opened their mind to see the story. When we get to Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, we see 
them quoting the Old Testament in Acts 4, 23 through 25. There's only two real sermons through the book of Acts, one by Stephen, one by Paul. And all it is is an Old Testament history where they end up saying, hey, but you, you killed the cornerstone, the one that Jesus, the one that God sent. Both of the most powerful sermons we see in the book of Acts is from the Old Testament. From guys who just a few years earlier didn't get any of it, but God opened their mind to see the plan. That's good stuff, y'all. They saw it and empowered them. They grasped it was God's plan of redemption. It was unfolding and was right on track. And this should excite us like it did them. Listen to me. We get excited when we look to the promises of the Old Testament of Messiah to come. That should excite us. We get excited when we get to the Gospels and see the the fulfillment of those promises. That's awesome. That should excite us. Listen to me. When we read the book of Acts and see God to continue to work on this face of this earth through the the plan of redemption, that should excite us too. Listen to me. You know why? Because that's the part of the story where we come in. That's a part of the story that's still going on. The continued work of God redeeming man here on this earth. Listen to me. That's what we see begin to happen in the book of Acts. Man, how great is it, church, to understand the scriptures in this way? I don't know. Maybe that's just good for me. Maybe you would say, Justin, I, I really wish you would start talking about God's redemptive plan from Genesis 7. Like for me, it, it think, makes things make sense and gives purpose and order and God's sovereignty and his, his omnipotence. And I'm thankful for it. Everything works out according to his will and plan. Nothing messes up. We talked about it around Easter that the day that, that Jesus would come on Palm Sunday, like that, that very day was predicted by prophets hundreds of years before, like the very day that he would step foot in Jerusalem. And so if you want some life application of this, listen to me. If God before the foundations of the earth can predict the day that Jesus was going to step foot in a town, then he knows the orders of your life as well. You can rest in that sovereignty. There's your life application for for that. So, the apostles, they got a grasp of it. They began to preach the gospel. When we first read the book of Acts, what we see is these apostles are preaching. But as the apostles preach, people start getting saved and the church is born. And guess what happens throughout time? Those apostles that started this movement or continued this movement died off, and now the gospel is left under the care of the church. See that progression? Jesus, apostles, church. The apostles took care of the gospel. They preached it faithfully. Why was the gospel so important to the apostles? Because they knew it was God's plan for redemption. And check out what Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. Chapter 2, verses 18 through 22 says this, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Check this out. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We'll pause there. And so what, what we understand is that what the apostles were about, their doctrine that they fought for, this gospel that they took care of, we as the church are built on that foundation. Obviously, Christ is the cornerstone, but what their doctrine was, what they preached, how they did church, how they did life, is what we as a church should be built upon. These apostles, the, Jesus opened their mind, it clicked, and they began to run full force ahead because they saw where they connected in God's plan. Now their work, their acts, if you will, birthed the church, where God birthed this church, and now the same responsibility they have, we have as well. Now we're the, we're the caretakers of the gospel message. We protect it. We preach it. We trust it. So, what emboldened these men? Number two, and I'll, these are going to be quick. But number two, by what means does the Lord continue his redemptive plan? All right, so we understood it started with the apostles. The apostles died off, right? I think everybody understand there's none of those guys are alive anymore. Everybody got that? Like they're dead. They're done. Now, they're, they're, they're alive with Christ, obviously, but they're dead. So we understand that the way that the gospel, the way that the kingdom, the way that God's redemptive plan continued to unfold after, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the, dissension, uh, the descending of the Spirit, what do we see the apostles doing? They're not building amusement parks for, for people to come to. They're not... They're not just trying to be the most creative people in the world. What do you know? Do you know what they did? They faithfully preached the gospel. Read it. Read the read, read the book of well, we will. Um, but go ahead and start reading. Like what they did is they faithfully preached the gospel. So how does God? How do how do how do we continue in in advancing this kingdom or advancing the gospel or advancing God's redemptive plan? Is by faithfully preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thankfully, listen to me, he's opened our eyes to see that this thing is not a fluke. Like this thing isn't something that's just made up. Because we have the whole counsel of God's word that we can see these promises given, these promises fulfilled. We can connect the whole dots. We can read about a, a closed gate in the book of Genesis and an open book and the open gate in the book of Revelation. Like we can read the whole thing and we know because the Spirit has allowed us to see that this thing is real and this thing is true. If not, I would not be here today. Hey, if you don't believe that Jesus is real and true, then you're wasting your time coming here this morning. I'd rather just sleep in, right? And, I'm, and maybe you're here and say, Justin, I'm seeking. I don't, I don't know. that. I'm not talking about you at this moment. I'm talking about if you come to church week in and week out, but want nothing to do with Jesus, go hang out somewhere. Like, why would you come to this place? Like, I know our music's cool, right? But there's... There's great music outside of here too, right? Like, but thankfully the spirit has opened my, my eyes and my mind and we've seen that it's true, right? Everybody with me? This means yes? Or you can say amen. Amen. 
And then you see the church just explode, right? When I first, when y'all hired me for some reason when I was 29, I don't know why you did that, but thank you you did. You know, I began reading church growth books and this, that, and the other, and how to do this, and mimicking this church, and be the most creative, and the coolest lines, and, you know, whatever you got to be. What we see is, through the book of Acts, we will see is that the apostles faithfully preached the gospel. They met together and worshiped God. They took care of one another. And daily, God was adding to their numbers. Thousands at a time. There is no better church growth strategy than what we see through the book of Acts. So what are the characteristics of the early church in regards to their growth? What is it about them? I've got five that we'll see through this whole book. I'm just going to kind of hammer through them real quick, not really going to spend a lot of time on them. Number one is there's a commitment to a transcendent message. Man, the gospel was transcendent upon religion, geography. They had a message that it didn't matter the color of your skin or where you came from. They had a message that no matter mistakes that you've made or what you've believed in the past. They had a message that transcended all that. Why? Because it was God's message. And we see about the, the early church of the book of Acts is they, they had a message and they committed to it. So much so that Peter, who we see on fire, right, at the beginning of Acts, he begins to kind of drift a little bit and a guy named Paul says, hey, bro, <laughs> we're committed to this message. We're not adding anything to it. That's what the book of Galatians is about. They committed to this transcendent message. Number two, and this is, we're going to have some tough sermons here. They understood that the church was a regenerate fellowship. That the church of Christ, or the church is made up of people who God had actually saved. A redeemed people. A regenerate people. Number three, there was, the, the, uh, was a faithful perseverance. The things got tough. And they just didn't, they didn't quit. They kept going. In the face of Death, they kept going. Stephen, even as he was dying, man, I can't wait to get it. Even as he was dying, it says that literally he was in a hole where they're throwing stones at him. And Stephen stands up and says, look, behold, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. Like, what? And guess who was at that stoning? A guy named Saul, right? And so I I, I just can't wait for us to, Saul became Paul. Uh, And so I I can't wait for us to, to be able to walk through these things. But they, were per- they persevered. Number four, there was evident purity within the church. The church wasn't tainted by hypocrisy. Matter of fact, pretty early on in chapter five, we see it. <laughs> Number five, there was qualified leadership that we'll go to. There was qualified people who were, who were leading the church. So here's the slide we've all been waiting for. Acts in short. And our logo, you see these arrows under. There's the axe, and then there's the up. There's up, there's a down, and there's to the right. And here's, here's axe in a nutshell, is that Jesus ascended. The work was finished. It was done, and we understand that he ascended, and now he's at the right hand of the Father. And whenever he, he said, I must go so that I can, what, send you the helper. So Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit descended, 
and came upon clothed the apostles in power. And then the apostles went out and they preached and God built his church. That's the book of Acts in one slide. Jesus went up, spirit came down, church went out. Or the apostles went out, then God built this church. And so over the next 30 weeks, we're going to be walking through, and that's kind of the umbrella, that's the lens. That we, and and this, that'll get more and more personal with us and think about in your own life. Has the Spirit opened your mind to see these things are true? That I can tell you right now upon even those symbols up, down, and out is that that Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father. No matter where you find yourself this morning, Jesus, he ascended, and he sat down at the right hand of his Father. The earth is his footstool, as Jared prayed. Hey, and guess what? Because he ascended, the Spirit descended. Child of God, the Spirit of God is within you this morning. No matter where, where you are in life, no matter how you feel, the Spirit of God is within you. And guess what? You've still got a purpose. And that's that arrow out. There's still a purpose on your life and in your life. And that, that purpose is to be about continuing God's redemptive plan throughout human history. So, I hope you're excited about the book of Acts. I promise next week we'll actually start getting into the book. We'll begin to look at the, the, the ascension of Christ. And there's not a lot of sermons. You don't find a lot of sermons just on the ascension of Christ, but we're going to have at least one week of it. <clears throat> anyway, I hope that this is the word of God has blessed you this morning. Uh, I pray that it does as it's intended to do, and that is to to allow us to see Jesus. And I pray that as we open this Bible each week, that, that the Spirit will open our minds to understand. I don't want to be about knowledge. I want to be about understanding. And I want you to be about understanding as well. Hey, if you don't know the Lord this morning, I want to invite you to trust in Him. Hey, this morning you may say, Justin, I'm not real sure. Like, I, I don't know yet. Let me, let me tell you something awesome. Even you, the Spirit of God, can open your mind to see that these things are true. He will and he can. Will you call upon him? How, how can we be saved? Believing, uh, believing in and on the Lord Jesus. Trusting in him. Listen to me. I'm going to remind you this morning. There's a, there's a finished work. We don't meet this morning with a, a hope so mentality. All right, we don't gather this morning going, I, I hope. I hope these things are true. We come in a confidence knowing that Jesus has finished the work of redemption and all you have to do and all I have to do is trust in that finished work. We can't get the buggy before the horse or the cart before the horse. That, that's, there's a finished work. Will you believe in that? Will you trust in that this morning? It's as easy as, Lord, I trust in you. Hey, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be having baptism, and 
I hope that this morning somebody gives their life to Jesus in a couple weeks, we get to celebrate it in baptism. I'll be standing down here on the front. If you need to talk or pray, I'm here. And as the Spirit leads, may we respond. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, we, we pray that you do for us as you did your disciples and you open our mind so that we can understand, so that we can see that this, this world that seems chaotic, that seems off balance, unpredictable, shaky, that it all has order and it's all going into a direction. From the beginning of this creation to the end of this creation, God, you were sovereignly in control. And God, I'm thankful that I can rest in that that truth. God, I pray that you open all of our minds and our hearts to believe that, to trust in that. God, I thank you for your word that we can some 2,000 years later look at how this thing we call church started. <laughs> that it's, it's not up to us. Church can't be whatever we want it to be. God, you've given us a blueprint and, it does, and what, is, what it should be. So God, may we be faithful to your word and studying, faithful in prayer to you for understanding and faithfully obedient to what your word teaches us. It's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody said?